Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 10 this morning, and I'm going to start reading in verse 38. And I'm going to read through 42, and then I'm going to flip over to John chapter 11, and we'll we'll jump right in this morning. So, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. And she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Is it not unfair that I'm up here working and my sister is just sitting here at your feet? But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all the details. Amen. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be, taking away, be taken away from her. I love the way that this version puts it, but I like the way that the Passion Translation says it better. This is actually a little bit more accurate interpretation of, of some original transcripts. It says, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. I won't take this privilege from her. I'm going to read some verses out of John chapter 11. Starting in verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word... When I lost my place, sorry. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said he will rise again. When everyone else rises at the last day, and Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him, I've always believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from from the people that she was mourning with and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. First of all, that was a lie. Jesus never asked to see Mary. That scripture has always bothered me from the first time I read it. Jesus never asked to see Mary. Martha lied. You have to point that out. 
So Mary immediately went to him. Martha's a liar. (laughs) Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. And when people saw who were at the house, and when the people saw who were at the house consoling Mary, saw her leave so hastily, they assumed that she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked and they told the Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And the rest of the story is basically Jesus goes to the place where Lazarus has died and, and tells him to come out of the grave and he raises Lazarus from the dead. That's the rest of that story. And so this morning, um, I got to tell you a story. You, you good, Jansen, you good. Um, everybody give it up for Jansen this morning. <laughs> Saw Jansen out Friday night when I was uh, buying something at the Best Buy. And uh, Jansen was just, man, he's looking sharp, looking sharp. Looked like he got back from a date uh, with Amelia. And so <laughs> that's what he looked like or was going to one. Uh, so I got to tell you a story this morning. I know I told you last week that I was super competitive as a child, um, but I got to tell you a story about um, I was in, when I was in ninth grade in high school, okay? I, when, I, when I was 14 years old, I was in ninth grade, and, and like I said, I was super competitive. I played all the sports, and my ninth grade year, I decided that I was quitting baseball, and the reason why is because we were like 0-27 for the past two years, and my heart could not bear the burden of losing any longer. We were horrific, bad, awful, and I was the catcher. And so when you go 0-27 and you're the catcher, it's a whole different type of anger because you ain't got nobody that can pitch, right? So you're just going all over the place. I made up my mind I was quitting uh, baseball. And so my football coach told me, he says, if you quit baseball, then you got to run track. And I was like, first of all, I'm not running anywhere or any time. So I'm not running track. I'll be on the track team, but I'm not running track. And, 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 and so uh, I participated in the activities that where you could throw things. That's what I did besides the javelin, right? I threw the javelin. It looked like a helicopter, right? It's bad, bad, bad stuff, bad stuff. And so I joined the track team for the sole purpose of there were three times a year that you got to leave school at like 11 o'clock. Three times a year you got to skip half of school. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a member of the track team. I'm sold out to the track team, right? I'm on the track team, baby. And so um, I was 14 and we're going to the county track meet. The county track meet. Remember, I, I didn't run track. I threw, I threw the shot put. Okay, and I was very average at best, if not bad at that. Okay, I wasn't there to compete. I was there to literally. The reason that I went to track me is because I could get good food. Every every concession stand that our track team went to was phenomenal. Specifically, um, this one uh, at the county track meet served served these incredible steak sandwiches. Okay. Incredible. I mean, phenomenal. What I would do to have a good steak sandwich with there is just, is just unbearable to even talk about at this moment. But 
I remember being um, at the track meet, uh, my events, first thing in the morning, I go and throw the shot put, don't even care about my scores, they'll be up later, right? The, my track coach will take care of that, I don't need to worry about that. And so I literally go back to the tent, and I, I play on my phone for the rest of the afternoon. Well, it's about lunchtime, and so the steak sandwiches, I can smell them being fired up. So I take myself over there, and I get a steak sandwich. On my way back... My track coach is popped up, like he, he's propped up on the, on the fence. And you have to understand something about my track coach. He was old. He should have been retired a long time ago. A long time ago. One of those teachers that's like, Mr. Phillips, this is not even relevant anymore. Stop teaching us about this, this biology stuff. It, it doesn't even matter anymore. What you're teaching us, we're not going to remember, right? He, he was one of those teachers. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> I remember one time, one of my friends went up to him. My friend, he was, I mean, he could fly. was lightning fast. He made like a 49 on a test. And Mr. Phillips was one of those teachers. He's like, you going to run track this year? And he was like, maybe. And he, he like erases the 49, writes a 94. He's like, how's that look? You going to run track this year? <laughs> yeah. It's the education that I have. <laughs> and so... I, I'm getting my steak sandwich. I'm walking back over with my steak sandwich. Mr. Phillips, old guy, propped up on the fence like this. I'm going to try to do my best impersonation of him as I can. He's just like looking out. He's like, Cole? What do you have there? And I was like, I have a steak sandwich, Mr. Phillips. Can I help you? He's like, yeah, what do you think about waiting about 30, 45 minutes before you eat that? And I was like, okay, why? Well, one of our key runners, they, they're hurt, and uh, we need somebody to run the 400 meter. You think you can do that? And I was like, what in the world is the 400 meter, Mr. Phillips? I'm not here to run. I'm here, I'm here to participate in the shot put and do nothing else. I don't want to do anything else. And he's like, yeah, you know, call, track's a team sport. I didn't know that. I thought it was just the individual. <laughs> didn't know that. Didn't sign up to have any obligations to a team. I had football and basketball that I was a teammate on. He's like, sometimes you just got to do what's best for the team. He's like, I think you can do the 400 meter. I was like, all right, all right, explain to me what it is. It's one lap around the track. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I can for sure do that. He's like, if your steak sandwich gets cold, I'll buy you another one. I was like, deal. I'll eat the cold one and this one. No problem. No problem. Not an issue, Mr. Phillips. Sign me up. And so he, he says... All right, when they call for the 400 meter, you go to this tent and you sign up. Well, I'm sitting over there and I'm waiting because it's fixing to happen. They're like, all right, all right, people who are going to run the 400 meter, come and sign up for the 400 meter. Well, I walk over there and immediately when I got to the tent to sign up for the 400 meter, I knew that I had made a horrible decision by agreeing to run this race. Let me put this into perspective for you. 5'11". 200 plus pounds, very slow, not a runner, not interested in running, definitely not a sprinter, okay, not, no, and I, I get to the track tent, and, and immediately when I get there, I, the first thing that pops in my head is that these people are going to absolutely kill me in this race, it's so unfair that I'm having to run this, these people naturally are way faster even looking than I am. Don't even know if they're faster than me yet. They were, but I'll get to that part in a second. And so 
I sign up for the 400 meter. I walk back over there and they're like, all my friends are pumped that I'm running the 400 meter. Not because they thought I would win, but because they knew that I was about to get embarrassed and they could laugh. Okay. And so they, they, they basically, they're saying, they're, they're like, Cole, you got this. You just sprint as fast as you can. When the gun goes off, you just run. And so they call for the 400 meter. I walk out on the track with everybody else. And then I realized I have no shot at winning. No shot. I'm out there, t-shirt, gym shorts, and basketball shoes. Okay. These people are out here in spandex and spikes lining up on blocks. And I'm just out there and I'm just like, all right, I'm ready to run. You know, <laughs> just like, they're like down in stance and stuff. And I'm like, how do I even do that? Right. That's not even, that, I can't even do that. And so, beautiful thing happens. The gun fires, we take off, and I just, I am gone, son. I am sprinting as fast as I can. And an amazing thing happens. I'm keeping up with everybody else. My mind is blown. Before we got ready to go, I'm like, I'm like God, if you let me win this race... I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. I didn't pray that because I meant it. I pr- because I didn't, even, I didn't even know if I believed in God at the time. But I just prayed it because it's like those things that you see in the movies. It's like this is what you're supposed to do when you have no shot at winning. God, if you let me, I will serve you forever. The gun. And, 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 I, and I take off and I'm gone. And my friends are going crazy. <laughs> you should have saw the looks on their faces. They're just like, He's keeping up until about 250 meters into the race because I was in like the fast lane. Okay, I'm in the fast lane or I'm in the slow lane where I belonged and I'm out ahead of everybody and everybody's just catching up. About 250 meters in the race, I don't know if you've ever been driving to work and you see like a kid standing beside the road waiting on a school bus. But it's like you drive by them and they're just standing there and it's just like, whoo. About 250 meters in, that's what starts happening to me. I'm running and people are just, whoo, 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 whoo. And I'm like, okay, I have no shot at winning this race. About the same time this happened, I realize my legs are numb. My arms are tingling. My chest is hurting in a way that it should never hurt after you run 250 meters, ever. And I, 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 basically what happened is I realized that, hey, I'm not, I'm not winning this race, so that I, I'm done with this race. I'm jogging it on in, son. I'm done sprinting. I feel like that this is kind of like our prayer lives in church, I feel like that we can, when we have an encounter with God, we can start off so hot. We can be so passionate and on fire for God and just burning for God until you hit that pain wall. And when you hit the pain wall, it affects the way that you pray. When the band and when, and my, when my friends were cheering me on and being there for moral support every time, that when I thought I was going to lose, I, man, I was gone. I was happy. I was in this thing. But I come around the track and there ain't nobody there and I'm in pain and I don't know how to keep going. And I feel like that our prayer lives are similar in a way. 
feel like once we can, once the band is on the stage and everybody's pressed into prayer in the room, it's easy to pray. But what about when you get home and there's nobody there to pat you on the back? Say, keep going, keep pressing in, right? When you hit that pain wall, your prayer life declines, much like the speed in which I was sprinting. Look over at your neighbor this morning. I want to help you. I want, to, I want you to help me announce my title. Look over at your neighbor this morning and say, Praying Through Pain. I'm going to say it one more time. Say, Praying Through Pain. Awesome. Um, I, I, I wrote some things down for this message in particular um, that I think helped me when I was in a great amount of pain in my life keep pressing uh, in prayer and I feel like a lot of the times um, though, though that is how a spirit of prayer I believe is developed it's can you press when it's painful I believe that's the way that a spirit of prayer is developed and I have Three ways that I, three things that I want to talk to you about this morning. And I think the first thing that you need to know about how to pray through pain is that you have to view prayer as a connection. You have to view prayer as a connection. Prayer is first and foremost about connection and it's not about request. When Jesus started teaching about prayer, see the disciples knew something about Jesus' prayer life. That when, when, when Jesus started teaching about prayer, the disciples didn't ask him, Lord, would you teach us how to do all these miracles? Would you teach us how to walk on water? Would you teach us how to turn water into wine? Would you teach us how to do all the things that you're doing? They recognized that they needed to learn how to pray like he prayed. And so when they got ready to learn something from Jesus, they didn't say, teach me all these other things. They said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Because they knew that the power that he was walking in came from his prayer life. And so the power that, that you walk in and the spirit that you walk in and the, and, and the degree in which you see God move is directly reflected by your prayer life. Believe that. And, I, and, and, and when, you, when, you, when Jesus started teaching about how to make a connection, he started saying, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Our Father. He was making a connection before He made a request. And I think a lot of times the reason that we can't pray through pain is that we think that our request gives us a connection. And it's actually the other way around. God wants to answer your request. The Bible says, make your request made unknown to God. Make, make your request unknown to God. Right? Make them known to God. But prayer gets answered through connection, not by request. If you want your request answered, it has to come through the avenue of connection. I talked to you about this story about Mary... And Martha, and I love the story. Um, I love looking at Mary's life, and I love reading about her life just in general. And you see, 
Mary and Martha, and Martha is, is Jesus comes to the house of, of Mary and Martha, and Martha is up, and she's cleaning, and she's getting ready for the big dinner, and she's upset that Mary is not helping her. And she looks, and she says, Lord, would you tell Mary to get off her tail and help me? Tell her to get up and help me. She, Martha comes in and rebukes Mary. And then Jesus turns around and rebukes Martha and says this, Mary has discovered what is the most important and I'm not going to take this privilege away from her. You had two different people in this. One of them saw prayer as a problem. The other one saw prayer as a privilege. And when you see prayer as a problem... You don't, get, you don't get the same results as when you view prayer as a privilege. Because you see, Mary and Martha in this scripture, I, I read another story to you about Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha, they're, they're broken, they're upset, they're hurting. Their brother has died. And the Bible says that Martha goes out to where she hears that Jesus is and says this, If you would have just been here, my brother would not have died. If you, Jesus, would have just showed up, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus and Martha have some words, and then Martha goes back and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Same thing happens. Mary goes out and prays the same prayer. She prays the same prayer, but the Bible says that she fell at Jesus' feet. One of them had a request. The other was going to make a connection. God is moved by your connection. He's not moved by your request. You don't get things done merely through request. You get them done through connection. Especially when you're having to pray through pain. Connection is where God begins to do a work in you that honestly delivers you from pain. God, I'm not sure if I believe God has ever delivered somebody out of pain by merely a request. He's not a genie. He's delivered them from pain because they were connected to Him. So if you want to learn how to pray through pain, you have to see prayer as a connection. You have to see it as a connection and not a request. Jesus was moved by Mary's connection versus his request. I think the second thing that you need when you're having to pray through pain is you need community. You need community. When Jesus started teaching about prayer, he didn't teach it to these spiritual long wolves. And I'm just going to go and pray for hours. That's awesome. If you do pray for hours, I am not saying stop. Okay? You're awesome. But when Jesus began to teach about prayer, he taught about prayer in groups. He taught, he taught about prayer specifically to the disciples in a group. Because I taught you last week that the disciples at one point were in a great amount of pain. And when you're going through pain, you have to... That is distracting the mess out of me. I can't. I can't. I had to acknowledge it. When you're going through pain, 
You need people around you who can stand with you and agree with God for what you are seeking him for. I don't know about you, but when I have prayed the last prayer that I know how to pray, when I've been going through painful situations, sometimes you go to the prayer closet and you've prayed all the prayers. You've cried all the tears. You felt all the rejection. You felt all the shit. You felt like that you're going in there and your prayers are not getting out of your mouth even. That's when you need people to come along with you and agree with you in prayer that God can move on your behalf. If you want to learn how to pray through pain, it has to come through community. I even love the story. I love the story. The story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. The Bible actually says that Martha went out to meet Jesus by herself. And the story says that Mary went to, went to meet Jesus and people followed her. It says that Jesus was moved by the fact not just Martha was, was weeping and upset, but because they all were. And sometimes you need people to go to the place with you that you are hurting the most to agree with you that God will move on your behalf. How many of you in here still believe that God moves on our behalf when we're in a great amount of pain? I still believe it. I can remember one time in my life going through a, a horrible situation. I went through um, um, a Kind of a situation with a family member. It wasn't kind of a situation. It was a situation with a family member. Situation with a family member uh, for about two and a half years. And I can remember praying and seeking God. And I didn't have a choice. It was either God was going to move in this situation or this person is going to die. They're going to die. God's either going to move or they're going to die. And I prayed, I sought God, I, I believed that God was, was a, still worked miracles and still moved on our behalf, even in the middle of the situation where it was progressively getting worse. And one day I get this phone call and it has gone south in a hurry. And I remember that day, I, I went over, before I even left my house, I used to live in these apartments in the great thriving metropolis of Weston, Alabama. Okay? That, I don't even know if that's a place. It's a, it's a sub-community of Hamilton. Okay? Weston. My apartment was here. One of my friend's apartments was over here. I get this call, and I am just grieved in my spirit. I don't know what to do. I go over to his house and said, I need you to agree with me right now that God is going to move. And he did, we prayed, and I promise you, as soon as I got connected to community and allowed some people to pray with me, that situation was changed that day. 
When I thought that I was about to lose one of my closest family members, God healed him, delivered him, and set him free in a moment when I got connected to community. When you're going through pain, and when you're going through hurt, and when you're going through trouble, you need to get connected to some people that say, when you've prayed all you can pray, when you've cried all you can cry, I'm going to come alone beside you, and I'm going to believe that God is going to work on your behalf. You need those people in your life. If you want to learn to pray through pain, you've got to do it in community. The disciples' prayer lives, I love having this conversation with Dougie, wherever he's at. The disciples' prayer lives were developed in community. When you look at the book of Acts, their prayer lives were developed together. They did everything together. And their prayer lives were developed together. I don't know about you, but nothing fires me up more. I promise you, nothing fires me up more. It makes me so excited. When I hear someone say, I was in prayer the other day. Something just starts moving on the inside of me. I was in prayer the other day, seeking God, and he gave me a word about this. Something just starts moving on the inside of me. You need community to challenge your prayer life. Because when, when I hear that people are in prayer, immediately I don't think, well, they're in prayer, so I don't got to be in prayer. I, I, I want to go pray too. I, I want to get in on this prayer thing, you know. If you want to learn to pray through pain, you have to do it with community around you. And I think the last thing that I would say that you need to know how to do, I have more than this, but this is all we have time for. The last thing that I would say that you need to know about praying through pain is that you have to pray with some consistency. You have to pray through some consistency. You have to pray with some consistency. You learn to pray through pain. You have to learn to pray with some consistency. And now I was telling you earlier that I loved the life of Mary just in the Bible. It's beautiful. Her life's beautiful. Never stubble. I don't know what I'm trying to say. If you've never studied her life, you should go study her life. There's some revelation to be had from all parts of, of where she's mentioned that in the Bible. But one in particular part, and one in particular characteristic and, and, and theme that we find over Mary's life is that Mary always somehow ends up back at the feet of Jesus. Somehow she just always ends up back at the feet of Jesus. Somehow Mary ends up always going and just getting where Jesus is. I know I didn't read this to you, but in John chapter 20, it's one of my favorite stories about Mary. In John chapter 20, Mary goes down to the tomb and she sees that Jesus isn't there. And she goes back and she gets Peter and John. And Peter and John run down to the tomb and they see that Jesus isn't there either. And they leave. They go to the house. And Mary followed them. And she stayed in the tomb. And the Bible says that she wept. She stayed in the tomb. And the Bible says that she just cried. 
sometimes that's all you got left in prayer sometimes you got to go back to the place where Jesus might be and just weep at the tomb sometimes you got to go back to the place where you were grieved the deepest and just hope that Jesus might show up you know the Bible says that Mary when she was there she knew that Jesus had been taken somewhere she just didn't know where he'd gone and she's praying and she's just weeping and she's broken and remember I told you this last week that Jesus said this he says I nobody takes my life I lay my life down and I know that everyone probably has experienced the pain of loss when you lose someone that you love but if you've experienced the pain of loss when someone that you love gives up their life that's a whole different type of pain and Mary is in the greatest pain of her life and she just shows up where Jesus might be because she had a consistency about her she shows up to the tomb and in a moment where she was least expecting Jesus to show up Jesus shows up sometimes in prayer it's just about going where you think God might even be and just weeping where Jesus might show up and a lot of times when you least expect it he shows up in the middle of your pain in the middle of your regret in the middle of your shame in the middle of everything that you were walking through in that moment Jesus shows up and when Jesus shows up on the scene everything changes everything changes Mary goes from a broken and, 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 a, and a woman in a deep amount of pain and in the next verse she goes to preaching the gospel when Jesus shows up everything changes man I don't know what you're going through this morning I don't know what pain that you've been going through or walking through or have walked through but I promise you if you'll just show up to where Jesus might be he might show up and change everything for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.